this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So the context is out on the streets yesterday. They are going to be concise, which is short. Hallelujah. Okay. And we're going to celebrate their stepping out and what God was doing. Okay. So it's a clue to us there, how, what our response will be. Um, so, Rach, you're going to go first, I think, aren't you? Well done. Well done, Rach. Yeah. Um, okay. So, oh, uh, it was terrifying. I'm not going to lie. I find it hard at the donut table trying to make small talk with people I know. So I went. I only decided on two. I'd had the email for ages and thought, I should. I really want to go to that. So I don't want to go to that. Really want to go to that. So I don't want to go to that. And so on Tuesday, I emailed and was like, is it too late? Kind of half hoping, yeah. (laughs) So we went. We went. And I chickened out about three or four times. But I did. I did. I did. I did. I let Graham go for the beginning and the opener. And, um, and we met a lovely lady called Daphne, and we prayed for her and her granddaughter. And that was really good. It was really good. It was still terrifying, but it was really good. <laughs> is, that, um, is that enough? <laughs> no, it, it was great just to be able to pray for people and pray God's blessing over people and the favour of heaven and just release that over people, have some conversations about Jesus. That was just a bunch of fun. Both slightly terrifying at the same time. So, who's next? Remember me. Context. Derby. We were in Derby yesterday, which is a bit alien for me, because as you know, we're from Burton. Yeah, you had to get out in there. Um, okay, before we went out, Lou had a, a picture of vegetables. Uh, which you think, what is that all about? So, we're walking down the high street, and the guy from, what was it called? Hello Fresh comes up to us. We're thinking, oh, here we go. Easy. So uh, we signed up to HelloFresh, as you do. But before, you have your vegetables and food delivered to your door, apparently. I don't know. I I will know in a few weeks' time. Um, Anyway, but yeah. So we said to him, look, yeah, we'll answer some questions if you'll answer a question for us afterwards. Uh, He said, yeah, fine, fine. He wants a sale. But anyway, it turns out that this guy, who's from Hungary, that morning was supposed to be on the doors, supposed to be knocking door to door. But he said, no, I, I really fancy going on the streets. Um, so he did, and he bumped into us. Anyway, the idea of what we were doing is asking people, if God could do a miracle for you, what would it be? So this guy says, motorbike, I want a motorbike. So we were able to pray for him that God would be, would be good to him and provide him with a motorbike. Um, and we, we left it at that. We prayed for him on the streets, asked God to provide a motorbike. Uh, and yeah, we're believing God to do great things. What was, what was his name? Patrick. So if you remember Patrick from Hungary, if you see him on the streets, ask him where his motorbike is. Uh, yeah, so con- context, we were out on the streets of Derby too. It was me and Tim. 
So uh, we were walking around, and actually, generally, we had a quite a hard time. We wussed out quite a bit as well, actually. So we went around. But the people that we were talking to as well, like kind of, so we had three questions. So if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? And it was just the, the majority of people said, as soon as you mentioned God, I said, oh, no, 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 it's all right. I'll, I'll walk on now. But we, uh, yeah, right at the end, just before we were about to head home, we started chatting to these uh, two homeless people, actually. And so we asked them the question. He said, to raise my brother from the dead. Yeah, we, we didn't pray for that. That was too much pressure. It's too much pressure. Uh, but we, we, we had a good chat to them in the end, and uh, that was that was basically our only mandate because too many people on the streets. When you talk to them, they have like an agenda and that sort of stuff. And that was literally we were told to go around spreading God's love, and it was just a really great opportunity. So that's what we were doing, and um, I think I was equally terrified, but it was just fun, just bringing God's love and blessing and favour over people. So we're going to be doing this regularly now, and uh, details will be on the website. It's probably going to be every third Saturday. We'll go out Saturday morning, and we'll be on the streets, and we'll just be looking to chat to people, bless them, love them, and uh, speak of God's love over them, and pray for them, and see what God wants to do. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Don't you think? So you all want to sign up now, don't you? Yes. yes. Uh, Steve, is, Steve is clean, so he's first on the list. And uh, I, I'm just excited about what God wants to do. So I think God blesses our courage. Uh, and so I think personally, those of you who went out yesterday, I think God will honour that and bless you for it. But I also think he blesses us as a church for taking some steps, actually. And there's some spiritual principles at work of you sow seeds and you get to reap. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting that we're going we're gonna to reap a harvest in this city and in other places because of what we're doing is we're seeking to be obedient to him and see what the Father wants to do. So it's fun, isn't it? So there's lots more of that uh, to come and we'll share some more stories uh, as we go. So it is great to have Steph and Nikki Miles with us this weekend. Oh, you're just heading out. It wasn't that I started speaking, was it? It might be that I started speaking. Okay, at least it wasn't when Steph started speaking. (laughs) So, (laughs) it looks like rooted, you're on your your way out, so have fun, guys. So, Steph and Nicky with us this weekend. Uh, He's on staff at the King's Arms Church in Bedford. And uh, a good friend of ours. And uh, he leads, uh, is part of the team that leads their training in supernatural ministry course and uh, particularly has some responsibility for what they do out on the streets. And he himself is out uh, pretty much every week uh, on the streets of Bedford talking to people, praying for them and uh, seeing many people saved actually and increasingly being added to their church, which is exciting to hear. And that's what we want some of. And that's why he was with us uh, over this weekend and helping us and training us and encouraging us. And uh, so, do you want Kev to come up first? How are you going to do this? So, uh, <clears throat> during worship, Kevin had uh, felt like God speaking to him, and uh, we just felt together it would be a good, uh, really, introduction to what Steph wants to bring to us. So, why don't you bring that, Kev, and then we'll welcome Steph as he, in fact, you can welcome him as he, as he comes up, and then we'll, okay? Otherwise, I keep jumping up and down, everyone gets bored of that. Uh, one of the things that we're learning about the way that people uh, react or respond when they've really messed up um, is 
is that people tend to do one of two things. Some people really withdraw into themselves um, through a sense of shame or feeling humiliated or embarrassed or pride, kind of try and contain the problem. Um, other people kind of throw themselves at your feet and say, I've messed up, can you help me? And uh, we've had some big situations recently, some quite serious things. Some things have kicked off and people have tried to hide it from us. Um, and they're very difficult to help when they don't want you to know what's going on. Uh, but another guy uh, used his one phone call at the local police station at 3 o'clock in the morning uh, a few weeks ago t- to say, Kevin, I've, I've messed up. Can you help me? So he couldn't go home. Um, so we invited him back to live with us uh, for a week or so. We gave him a key to the house, gave him our Wi-Fi password, which was great because he put Netflix on the TV for us. I said, we haven't got Netflix. He said, I have. You said, make yourself at home. So I have. And, uh, but we're the same people. And God is the same God. And when we mess up, God is not different. What happens next is all about the choice we make. Do we try and hide it and contain it and deal with it ourselves? Or do we throw ourselves at his feet and say, God, help me. I need your help. And something I've learned about him and we try and put into action in our lives is if you throw yourself on God's mercy, he never says no. Steph. Thanks, Kev. All righty. How are we all doing? We're doing well. First time I've preached in the cinema. So um, I'm excited. Uh, It's such a joy to be with you. Oh. Thank you. I love just uh, observing the crowd before I start and just look at all the beautiful faces in the room. And we've got a beautiful bunch of, bunch of people this morning. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to start um, and just sort of follow on from what Kev said then. We, we've been talking and singing a lot about God's goodness this morning, which is so true and it's so beautiful and Understanding the revelation of his goodness and kindness is really the foundation for why we exist and why we do what we want to do. And I want to suggest to you that the degree that we believe God really is good becomes the degree to how much we enjoy him. In other words, every area of your life that you fail to recognize the goodness of God, you'll experience a joy deficit. And I want to provoke you this morning by just asking you, to essentially recalibrate your perspective of life and ask you, where are you recognising the goodness of God in your life? Because I would hate for you to experience a joy deficit. And ultimately, joy is the ultimate outworking of our relationship with Father. Time and time again in Scripture, we're called to experience and enjoy this joy that comes through our intimacy with Heavenly Papa. It's what Jesus says in John 10.10, I've come so that you can have life in abundance. And it's why James in his letter says, in the midst of trials and tribulations, you can consider it all joy. One translation of scripture says, make a calculation where the logical conclusion is joy. In other words, take a look at your life, all the victories, all the tribulations, all the successes and all the defeats. And if the calculation and the conclusion of your life, despite those circumstances, is not joy... You've made the calculation wrong. Because how many of you know our joy is not determined by our external circumstances? 
That's why Paul in Philippians 4 said that he's learned the secret of contentment despite hunger or lack or plenty or satisfaction. He learned that his circumstances don't define the reality of who he is and don't determine his level of joy because our joy is determined by something other than our external circumstances. It's defined by the revelation of God's love for us. And it's how we respond to his love in the midst of trials and tribulations that we can begin to experience the joy in our life. You see, joy is not necessarily a fruit. It's not, sorry, it's not necessarily an emotion. It is a joy. And it is the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I want to suggest to you that the city of Derby is not looking for better services. It's not looking for uh, the next movie to come out in the cinema. It's not looking for um, the next release of the number one Radio 1 chart single. What the city of Derby is looking for is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And to quote my friend Alan Scott, he says, the size of your church is irrelevant. Your city is not impressed with the size of your church your city is not impressed into life what your city is looking for is christ in you the hope of hope of glory and i want to provoke you by saying the way the city of derby is going to come to life is through scattered servants the way communities are changed and transformed is by the church leaving the building and demonstrating the heart of the father into the communities that you find yourselves Alan Scott says, our cities are only hard to reach when our people don't leave the building. And I say that as a provocation to you this morning, and sort of we got a a taste and a glimpse of that yesterday. And I want to share a message with you this morning that I sort of dipped in and out of yesterday as I was training the, the selection of us that were with us. And my prayer and my hope this morning is just to shift your paradigm a little bit of what it looks like to demonstrate his kingdom. And I guess it's fair to say that I operate as an evangelist within King's Arms and within Bedford and I sort of travel the UK and occasionally across the world and teach sort of on this, on this topic of what it looks like to share the message of Jesus with people. And you know, my definition of evangelism is simply just my relationship with God on display. It's allowing the people that I interact with to uh, experience the outworking of my intimacy with Papa. my relationship with God on display and what I want to propose to you this morning is that evangelism really is a lot easier than most people think (laughs) and there is a mandate a mission statement on us as individuals um, to become what love looks and acts like and I want to suggest to you that when we learn to operate out of love in whatever context that we find ourselves in that it is impossible to go wrong Because when people experience love, they encounter Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that one of the most important questions that we can ever ask as a community of believers is what does love look like? And I'm convinced that every situation and circumstance in which we find ourselves, we have an opportunity to become an expression of love in that moment. So what does love look like? And that's sort of a question that I just want to dive into a little bit today, if that's okay. And... um, before I do, let me just share a story. story stories are so powerful, hey? Stories uh, are not there to just tease you of what you cannot have, but they're to tempt you for what you can have. 
And my hope and my prayer this morning is as I just share stories of what is possible as we become an expression of love, that something will be released, an anointing will be released upon you guys to see that very thing happen in this city. Because the reality is it's not about me. It's not about my wife. It's about us as a community of people becoming love and becoming an expression of the Father. And the very thing that qualifies me to do the things that I do is the same thing that qualifies you. It's the fact that you are sons and daughters of the King. That he has anointed you and equipped you and given you authority to demonstrate his love within this place. You know the thing that sets the church apart from every other agency within your city? It's the fact that the church has been given authority to release destiny to this place. The reason you have authority is to supply destiny to this city. And I tell you, it is a joy and a privilege to be able to use that authority to demonstrate and bring freedom wherever you are. You are freedom carriers. And you carry an atmosphere internally that has the power and the ability to transform atmospheres externally if you recognize what Christ has given you and the fact that he has chosen to reside and abide in your very person. Um, so a few months ago, I was just in town, and uh, I shared this story yesterday, and, and I think they quite enjoyed it. Um, I went to Greg's Bakery, got myself a, a pepperoni pizza slice and a custard caramel donut, because those things are incredible. And uh, Graham, in fact, bought me a caramel donut yesterday, which I appreciate. Uh, so I, I, I grabbed my food, and I go and find uh, a park bench. And I'm sitting on this park bench, and directly to my left is a woman, and uh, next to her is a man. And I just start engaging in conversation. And I turn to this woman and I say, beautiful day, isn't it? And it was. The sun was out. The birds were te- tweeting. It was, it was beautiful. And uh, this woman responds. And then I just, I just say, hey, is it your day off? And, and she responds and say, no, it's, it's actually my lunch break. I work around the corner. And totally unprovoked, the man sitting next to her, he sort of leans forward and says, uh, I'm actually always off unless I'm in hospital. Now, how many of you can recognize a good opportunity when you see one? Um, so I just, I just felt Holy Spirit was on that and I just started to engage in conversation with this man and sort of the more we chatted, the more his heart just began to open up. And what strikes me is, you know, how many of you know atmospheres of love create vulnerability which invites intimacy? We see it time and time again in scripture, you know, where Jesus is, is sitting to the woman at the well and in that context of love that he creates, this woman um, so becomes so vulnerable in that moment that she opens up and she, and she confesses to Jesus that she has committed adultery. And the very fact that she did that actually promoted her own death sentence. In doing that, she gave permission to Jesus and the surrounding Pharisees to actually stone her in that moment. But in the context of the atmosphere of love that Jesus created, she felt so safe to express the deep sin in her life that it came to the service. And as a result, she was able to walk into freedom. Atmospheres of love create vulnerability, which invites intimacy. So as I was engaging with this man, he just began to open up his life and uh, was telling me about how he's in and out of hospital. And uh, he told me that he had two out-of-body experiences. And he told me the first one, and it was all a bit hazy, and I can't can't quite remember. But the second experience, he said, was extremely uh, vivid. He woke up on this operating table 
as he it was literally dead on this operating table. And there before him, he, he saw a desk with a big book right in the middle of the table. Behind the desk was a, a man standing there with complete white shining uh, suit and garments. And, uh, and behind this man was a gate. And this, this man turns to John, who is this guy that I was talking to on the street, and says, John, unfortunately, you can't come in through these gates. Now's not your time. And then John sort of suddenly came back to life. And, uh, and a couple of minutes later, John turns to me and he says, Steph, I wish I knew who that man was. <laughs> and I, said, I turned to him and I said, John, I think I know. <laughs> I think I know who that man is. His name's Jesus. And that book that was on the table is what uh, the Bible describes as the book of life. And I said, John, the reason you can't or you weren't able to enter through those gates is because your name isn't written in the book of life. And I said, John, you can get your name written in the book of life right now. And that's by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And it was a beautiful moment as he just came to faith there and then opened his heart to Jesus and stepped into the kingdom. It was a beautiful moment. And you know what? That came out of simply me choosing a park bench and eating a caramel donut. You know, sometimes Jesus makes it so easy for us to just effortlessly stumble into conversations and environments in which we can effortlessly effortlessly lead people into his kingdom. Friends, it's all about love at the end of the day. What does love look like? What does love look like for you? Galatians 3 verse 5, it says, In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision count for anything except faith working through love. In other words, faith is not the point, love is. Love ignites faith and gives context to our very faith. As I said, it's impossible to go wrong when we operate out of love. Because when people experience love, they encounter Jesus. You know, the US President Theodore Roosevelt, he said this, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And to quote Bob Johnson, who is based in uh, San Francisco, he says, when love is our source of motivation for evangelism, people cease being projects to ease our conscience, but become vessels in whom the Father wants to pour out the fullness of blessing. Isn't that beautiful? You know, the moment our evangelism, the moment our mission uh, is motivated outside anything other than love, we fall back into duty and obligation. Love has to be the source of motivation for our mission. And I want to suggest to you that when love is our source of motivation, it becomes a heck of a lot easier. Now, I'm out on the streets literally every week in in Bedford Town Centre and just have an absolute blast, really just loving on people. No agenda other than just loving the socks of everyone that I meet. And as a result, people are coming to faith weekly. And it's a beautiful thing just being able to minister and demonstrate his love to people wherever I go. How many of you know love is not moved by demand? It's not motivated by need? Love simply wants to give and share that what is already contained within so a few months ago, I was due to meet some friends at London uh, Victoria Station, and it was ridiculously early in the morning, right? And I wasn't even convinced the Holy Spirit is awake that early, right? And there I am. If you've been to London Victoria uh, from the underground, there's um, a massive array of steps that you have to go up in order to get to the station. And um, I go up these steps, and before I even like, sort of make the last step, this homeless man comes towards me, and he starts asking for money. 
And um, if I'm honest, I wasn't filled with compassion in that moment. I wasn't, I didn't even feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit to be generous. But how many of you know we don't need a nudge from the Holy Spirit to be generous? Because Mr. Generosity now lives in our hearts, right? So despite a lack of nudge from the Holy Spirit, despite an overwhelming sense of compassion, I just allowed love to just operate through me. And I didn't have much money on me. I just reached into my pocket and I just give a few coins of shrapnel that I have, maybe enough to buy a Big Mac meal. I don't know. Um, And that created an atmosphere so beautiful and so tender that it, it... created an opportunity for me to just ask what this man's um, dream was and it was his dream to be to be healed he had ongoing back problems and there was nothing that he could do to sort of measure um, if there was any improvement in that moment but I just prayed my best prayer and a very simple prayer really and um, there was nothing that he could do to monitor whether or not he was healed but it was a beautiful moment and you could feel the atmosphere shift because at this moment this this man realized that not only do I care about the desires of his heart but as does Jesus and as a result he actually came to faith there and then and that whole conversation lasted probably no longer than a minute okay and I don't tell you that to sort of impress you of how quickly I can lead someone to Jesus but simply to say this that love is effortlessly released from the very core of who we are And sometimes it just takes a very simple uh, act of generosity to become the invitation for someone to walk into the kingdom of God. It's about becoming what love looks like. You know, the most scandalous and vulnerable thing, sorry, the most scandalous and intimate thing about God is his vulnerability. You see, God is not some distant God who sits far off, unattached by human emotion. He is not some um, deity who can unrelate to human difficulties and human sufferings. You see, our God, our King, our High Priest is one who enters in, who comes and fully sympathises with human frailty. And, you know, in our philosophy, we love to ascribe God titles. You know, we think, surely God... Uh, is this all-powerful being, and we ascribe him the God of omnipotence. We think, surely uh, God is here, there, and everywhere, and we ascribe him the title of omnipresent. And we think, well, God wouldn't be God if he knew everything, right? So we ascribe him the title of omniscience. And they are all true and they are all incredible things, but those things don't define who God is. Because in Philippians 2, I think it is, we're told that God becomes man in the person of Jesus Christ and willingly lays aside divine privileges. These, what I call omni-attributes, are really what I think are these divine privileges. Because you see, when God became man in the person of Jesus Christ, suddenly his omnipotence wasn't that impressive. We're told that when he went back to his hometown, he was unable to produce miracles because of their lack of faith. Suddenly his omniscience wasn't on display, as we're told in Luke 2.52, that Jesus had to grow in wisdom, favour and stature in the eyes of man and in God. Why do I say that? You see, God can become man in the person of Jesus Christ, yet not be reduced in any way. God can become human, 
yet remain human 100% because God is not defined by his attributes any more than you are defined by yours. God can become man in the person of Jesus Christ because he is defined by the very core of who he is, and that is love. I say all that to say this, that in no way is humanity a limitation for the love of God to be fully expressed. You are created with not only the capacity to know and experience his love, but you're created with the capacity to become love. I want to suggest to you that every time God sees you, he sees an opportunity to express himself in you. Every time you love, God is being himself in you. Are you following? This is the most exciting thing and the greatest privilege that we have as humanity is that we have the opportunity for God to make an expression of himself freely through us. And I was saying yesterday, what excites me most in this life is not getting fresh revelation, it's not getting fresh downloads from heaven. The thing that excites me the most is that I get an opportunity to become a full expression of the Father in my very being. And if I can be provoking, I want to suggest if you don't fully understand that, if you, don't get, if you get more excited about a fresh revelation from God than the revelation of Christ in you, the hope of glory, and him expressing yourself... I want to suggest maybe you don't quite fully understand the gospel. Because God is excited about the prospect of expressing himself in you. Just turn to your neighbour and say, you are created with the capacity to become love. You know, a, few, a couple of months ago, I was just in the high street and I see this man walking towards me. And um, I better keep an eye on time, actually, don't I? Just pass my phone up, maybe. Haven't got a clock in here, have we? Thank you. So I was in town and I see this, this gentleman walking towards me and I just feel a nudge from the Holy Spirit saying, Steph, you need to talk to this guy. You need to ask him what miracle he needs in his life. And as this guy became, got closer and closer, I actually realised that this, this man isn't fully there. He's got some form of disability. And as he was right before me, I, I realised that th- this guy is, is sadly in a mess. He's unable to dress himself properly. He's unable to uh, wash himself properly. And um, his mouth was foaming and um, to be honest, it wasn't actually that nice to look at. But I felt the nudge from the Holy Spirit to in- interact with this guy. And I asked him if he could see one miracle in his life, what would he want to happen? And in this moment, um, uh, God, he said that he had real pain in his foot and that he wanted this pain to go. So I just offered to pray. And before he even got an, an opportunity to sort of start praying, he, he said, I would, love you, I would love to show you my feet. <laughs> and now who does that? And so he takes me and he sits me uh, next to the closest bench and he proceeds to take his uh, shoes off and he proceeds to take his socks off in the middle of the high street in this buzzing environment. There are his fully exposed feet. Now, who does that? And if I'm honest, his feet were not the prettiest feet I've ever seen. Long toenails, yellow, fungusy. And that was obviously creating the pain and I was just praying internally. I was like, Jesus, please don't get him to ask me to touch his feet. 
And what happened? This guy turns to me and he says, please, can you touch my feet? An extremely surreal and unusual circumstance, but in that moment I was just reminded, what does love look like? And despite the awkwardness, despite the potential offence that I could take in that moment, I just feel this courage from the Holy Spirit as I just lay hands and almost massage his foot and just pray my best prayer. And you know what? I don't know if anything happened in that moment. I don't know if he was healed, whatever. But it was a beautiful moment that this man actually began to experience the heart of the Father. And what made matters worse as I was praying, I actually realised the smell coming from this man. And I realised that he had actually just defiled himself. He was sitting in his own feces. And it was a hard moment as I literally had to hold back the gagging in order to love this man well. And the moment we'd sort of finished the conversation, I just went around the corner and literally vomited up in my mouth. And it was a tough moment, but I can't help but remember when Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was cold, you found me shelter. And the disciples said, when did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? And Jesus' response, when you did it to them, you did it for me. Friends, that is what love looks like. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's hard. It's easy to love people that are similar to us, right? It's easy to love people that look like us and speak like us and dress like us. The rubber really hits the road when we find ourselves trying to love people in contexts like I've just explained. What does love look like to you? I was suggesting yesterday that the most significant thing about every individual that you will ever meet is not their opinion, it's not what they believe or what they don't believe, but it's their value. You know, I, within our Christian world, we have so much terminology that is just, which I really don't like. We have all this language about who's in, who's out, this in and out language. Who's in the in club, who's on the outside. And only once we've been able to uh, convince someone that they're wrong and that we're right can we welcome them into the in club. And we have this constant agenda to try and convert people in this traditional way. And ultimately, we only value people because of our agenda to try and convert them. But I want to suggest to you the most significant thing is not what they believe, but it is their value. (laughs) Because people are valuable. People are beautiful. And Jesus invites us to see the value that he has put in them. And we get the privilege and the joy to pull it out of them. And people begin to generally ask the question, what is it you see in my life that makes you more excited about my own life than than I'm excited about my own life, if that makes sense? You know, in Matthew, I think, uh, chapter 13, Jesus turns to his disciples and he uh, begins to tell them the parable of the treasure concealed in the agricultural field. You know the story? Where this man comes and he finds this gold hidden in the field and in his haste he reburies it and goes off and sells everything that he has in order to purchase this field. How many of you know the value of the field is not determined by the the field's ability to produce a crop? The value of the field is determined by the treasure that is already concealed within the field. The moment that man realized that that there was gold within that field, he was in an extremely favorable position. 
because he realized that, one, he was the only person who knew the original value of that field. And secondly, he knew that the value of that field determined by the gold far surpasses any historical bumper crop that that field may have produced. I want to suggest to you that God has put a treasure and a gold inside of all of humanity and we get the privilege to call it out of people. There is no greater privilege. You see, the cross is not so much the revealing of our sin, but it's the revelation of our value. Heaven paid an extraordinary price to reclaim and restore humanity back to what we are created to be. Even if you were the only person on this planet, Jesus would have still come and died for you. How many of you know the lost coin never lost its value? No matter the sin, the shame, the guilt that we find ourselves in, no matter the the sin and the trash that we see in other people's lives, their value remains the same. (laughs) When people discover their value, they can begin to walk out their destiny that God has for them. Evangelism is not about pointing out the trash in people's lives, but it's helping them discover the value that God has on them. I said yesterday, evangelism isn't about trying to win people over to our opinion, but it's helping them discover the opinion that God has of them. That's evangelism, friends. That's how communities and cities are transformed by us as a community of people going out into the communities and helping people discover their value. It's about becoming what love looks like. You know, my job as an evangelist is, it's not so much to prove the existence of God, rather it is to work up an enthusiasm for God himself. The reality is no one cares about an object's existence if in advance of proof they don't care about the subject. Are you with me? So Graham, let me give you an example. Graham, what does it matter to you if I can prove to you that polar bears exist if in advance of any proof you don't like polar bears? <laughs> Only once I've worked up Graham's enthusiasm for the polar bear can I begin to tell him about the polar bear's existence without him falling asleep. Are you with me? So the question is never God does, sorry, the question is never does God care, uh, sorry, let me rephrase. The question is never does God exist, but does God care? Is he nasty or is he nice? Is he good or is he bad? Is he some venomous, bloodthirsty, incredible Hulk about to come down on us like the hammer of Thor? Or is he the most loving, compassionate father I know? Friends, God is in a good mood. He is in the business of revealing himself to his people. We get the privilege and joy to jump into the river that's already flowing, the river of his goodness, his kindness, the river of his mercy, his forgiveness, his grace, his compassion, and his love, and his faithfulness. What a joy it is. What a joy. So I shared this story yesterday. Um, I think it was last year now, I was, I was at traffic lights and I was patiently waiting in my car and before I knew it, I hear this car come and crash in the back of me. And it was in that moment that, <laughs> don't you just love it when Holy Spirit asks you the questions that you ask him? So I put this into this daily habit of asking Jesus, what does love look like? And it was in this moment of collision that I hear the voice of the Father say, Steph, what does love look like? <laughs> and... Uh, By the grace of God, in that moment, I was able to just make a decision that I wasn't going to ask any money or any uh, insurance details from this woman. But I just wanted to bless her. 
And in my rearview mirror, I was able to witness this woman reverse back and drive up next to me. And as we simultaneously downed our windows and looked at each other, I can see that this woman was just shaken up. She had three girls in the back of a car and she was close to tears. And I said, look, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. Let's drive around the corner and let's have a chat. So we drive around the corner and as she gets out of her car, sort of whimpering and shivering, and she comes up to me and says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Here's my insurance details. Just let me know what the cost is and I'll make it happen. And in that moment, I said, hey, I don't want your money. I don't want your insurance details, but I want to pray for you. In that moment, I just began to prophesy value, significance, and destiny over her life. And her shivering and her quaking sort of stopped, but it was reduced to this weeping of tears, of delight and joy. And as I sort of concluded this prayer, she, she turns to me and begins to explain the significance of what had just happened. And it turns out that she had just come from the Sikh temple. And the months preceding this morning, she had been online dating. And she was getting to know a man. And, uh, and they were getting on really well. But that morning was the morning that she was due to meet this man for the first time. And there she was at the Sikh temple. And she saw this man from the opposite side of the room. And she said, it was almost like he took one look at me, was disappointed, turned around and walked away. And this woman said, I've never experienced such rejection, such pain. And such nastiness and it was in that moment that God was able to just use me to restore her value, her dignity and her beauty friends love isn't always look, it doesn't always look like forcing the gospel down people's throat it doesn't always look like uh, getting people to or coaxing people into praying the sinner's prayer love in that moment looked like restoring value and dignity because it's in the restoration of value that people can discover their destiny I hope this is helpful because the pressure is off pressure is off guys we just get to become an expression of the father you know God's ultimate desire for your life is for you to learn fully to learn to live fully yourself let me unpack that God gives us the freedom as humanity as humanity to live fully ourselves. Because he is 100% convinced that when we, as a body of believers, when we learn to live out of our true identity, when we learn to live out of our restored image and likeness in Jesus Christ, we become a manifestation of love. And when we become a manifestation of love, we become an expression of who he is, because he is love. God's greatest desire for your life is for you to learn to live fully yourself. He's not nervous about you. (laughs) He's not disappointed about you. He's just waiting for you to learn to live yourself. Because it's in that moment that he is fully expressed. There's so much more I can say, but time is going. I hope this is helpful. Communities are changed by scattered servants, by the community of believers leaving the building, becoming an expression of the Father and demonstrating his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance and restoring value and dignity. Why don't we just stand and I want to pray for you.
You know, Ephesians 2 verse 13, uh, 14 sorry, says uh, that we are his workmanship created for good things. Uh, that word workmanship is actually the Greek word poema. It's where we get our word poem from. Poema. You know, we are God's poem. Perfectly, intricately created and inspired from his imagination. We are a living word. We are a living poem. An expression of his heart and an expression of his imagination. <clears throat> wherever we go, wherever context we find ourselves in, people can read the poem of our life and see an expression of who he is because we are created from his imagination. Hmm. Why don't you just posture your hearts before heaven? Hmm. Jesus, you are so beautiful. Hmm. You are so wonderful. Oh, we love how you've transformed our life. <laughs> Again, we just receive afresh in you your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. <laughs> oh. We just receive it in you right now. We receive your love. (laughs) Father, would you just come right now? Fill this place with the revelation of your love. I speak to every heart that is is locked up and blocked from experiencing the fullness of God's love. I speak to every heart that has been numbed And I speak an awakening right now. I speak to emotions that have been uh, too damaged and as a result have been blocked. And I speak to those emotions and I speak a release right now. And I prophesy over this room for a fresh revelation of his love. His love right now. Father, come. Fresh understanding of your love that surpasses our understanding, a love that surpasses our intellect, that cuts deep to the very core of who we are. Jesus, come. Reveal yourself. (laughs) Reveal the core of who you are. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, Papa. Jesus. You're so beautiful. Thank you for your nearness, Lord. Mm. And Father, I just pray for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray, Father, for (laughs) just the awareness of your presence on the day-to-day life. I pray for those moments where they find themselves isolated and lonely. I pray for the awareness of your nearness and you as Emmanuel in that life so that they can become an expression of who you are. And Jesus, I just release fresh uh, boldness and courage across this room. 
I release fresh courage right now and fresh expectation and uh, excitement to bring the city of Derby to life. And I prophesy over this city that life will come. That hearts will be awakened to the, the truth of the gospel. That hearts will be awakened to the revelation of his love. And we declare life over this place. Declare life over every individual in this building right now. And I pray fresh excitement and deluge of expectation for uh, this community to be changed. Hmm. And Jesus, would you come and bring fresh understanding of your grace? That grace is not simply uh, the ability for our sins to be forgiven, but grace is the divine influence on us to live like Jesus. <laughs> Father, come. Just bring fresh revelation of who you are. And I just prophesy incredible situations and conversations this week. <laughs> Incredible uh, shifts in atmospheres and hundreds of people in this city to come to faith (laughs) as a result of this moment right now. Father, stir people's hearts. Stir their hearts right now. We love you, Papa. Love you, Jesus. Why don't you take this moment to just recalibrate your perspective of who God is. I suggested when I started speaking that the degree that we believe God really is good becomes the degree to how much we enjoy him. (laughs) Why don't you just take a moment to look at your life and reflect on his goodness and just see if there is any areas of your mindset areas of your faith that fail to recognize his goodness because joy wants to manifest itself through you in you Why don't you just, if you, if you recognize there's areas of your thinking that don't align to his goodness, why don't you just repent right now? Repent isn't so much saying sorry, it's changing the way you think. It's changing what you believe. Changing what you believe about God. Change the perspective of how you see him right now. Choose to align yourself with the truth of his goodness. Oh, we adore you, Papa.
Hmm. Thank you, Papa. And if you're amongst us this morning and you, you don't know Jesus, but you've been hearing my words and you've been thinking to yourself that you want to know him, <laughs> now is your opportunity. I want to say to you that, that Jesus is passionate about you. He is obsessed about you. He created you out of his love so that you can experience his love. There's an opportunity for you this morning to just come to him. (laughs) To choose to receive his love. To receive his forgiveness, his acceptance of you. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything public, but if you want to do that this morning, if you want to come to Jesus to open your heart to him, choose to live in relationship with him, why don't you just come and see myself or Graham at the end of this service and we'd love to have a chat with you and pray with you and help you on your journey. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that you are here and that you have incredible dreams over this city. (laughs) And uh, we just choose to lean in on your dreams. We choose to lean in on your imagination for what this city could be. And as a community, hopefully these people will have the courage to say it with me. Here I am, send me. I choose to express your heart for the city of Derby. Jesus, I'm willing to put myself in context where I feel uncomfortable. I'm willing to go the extra mile and put aside my offence and my insecurities so that you can express the fullness of who you are through me. Hmm. Holy Spirit, we trust you. We trust you, Holy Spirit. (coughs) Amen. Wonderful. I hope that was helpful. Good. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.